series called Don't Go Cray Cray. And it's based out of Galatians chapter 3. And since I didn't get to finish it, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week. I won't finish today and uh, because no matter what, good night. No matter, I'm going to try to stop at 12 so y'all all join us for the baptisms. I'd rather you all not leave. And uh, so go to Galatians chapter 3 verse 1. This is Don't Go Cray Cray part 2. And I'm going to read it to you out of the Message Bible. You crazy Galatians, did someone put a hex on you? Have you taken leave of your senses? Something crazy has happened. For it's obvious that you no longer have the crucified Jesus in clear focus in your lives. His sacrifice on the cross was certainly set before you clear enough. And that's where we're going to launch. Now I need to say, I know I was, I was told last week I got a wee bit passionate. And uh, hopefully I didn't scare y'all. But, you know, I've been meditating on Paul for a couple weeks now. And remember I told you last week how Paul and Peter had a fist fight. Because Paul is absolutely passionate about grace. Well, you can't meditate on that kind of passion and not become passionate. And this message of grace is so important. I'm going to share it with you today. It's worth fighting for. We got to fight for our right to be free. Okay? So... Uh, it, you know, the, the Bible, we, we know that this is stated in the Bible, but we need to keep being reminded of it. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. He didn't set us free from uh, the, the law. And when I say the law, understand this, I'm talking about the rules and the ceremony, not the moral law. I'll get into that today. We, grace does not excuse us from being moral people, right? Grace doesn't give you the right to be... Uh, to live unholy. It empowers you to live holy. And uh, it doesn't excuse you from the dictates of the law. It empowers you to finally to live up to all of them, but not through our own efforts, through the grace that came by Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And so the, this message of grace, what I want to show you is that it's, it's the most dangerous message the human heart has ever heard. And when I say dangerous, it's dangerous to poverty, it's dangerous to the, the, the disease, it's dangerous to sin, it's dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, because grace is the vehicle of freedom. Yes, Are y'all here? Yes, you see, keeping the law, all the rules, all the regulations, the dress code, uh, the, the hairstyle, doing all the right things. How many of you? Okay, I'm going to try not to ramble. Be disciplined, Jimmy, because you only have a few minutes. The law can make you look holy. Keeping all the rules can make you look holy. But it can't make you holy. And if you've been in the church for any length of time, you have experienced the people that look holy, but ain't holy. You all know what I'm talking about? They look right, they talk right, they dress right, they got the beehive hairstyle, they got all the things that look holy, but when you get to know them, they're the ones that will hurt you the quickest and sing the songs of hallelujah while they're doing it. I don't think there's anything more dangerous than somebody who looks right but ain't right. Grace is what makes you right. It, because see, this, this, is, this is the reason why we can drop the pretense. Yes. I don't have to pretend to be holy because I is. You understand what I'm saying? I don't have to try to convince you I'm righteous by the way I dress and my hairstyle and how I walk and how I always talk in King James English. I don't have to do that because I am righteous. 
I've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, so now I don't have to pretend because I is. That only came about by grace. Grace is the only vehicle God has ever provided to make us the people of God he dreamed we would be. His grace is the vehicle, not a vehicle. It's the vehicle. You'll never get there by rule keeping. You'll never get there by your good works. You'll never get there by trusting in self. You'll never give enough. You'll never sacrifice enough. You'll never be good enough. Paul brings this out. He said, if the law could have made us righteous, then Jesus died in vain. Right? So we, what we need to understand is this, day, this message of grace is so dangerous, the devil will do anything he can to distort it and corrupt it. Because I want to tell you this. Y'all here? Yes, sir. He ain't afraid of you going to church. He ain't even really afraid of you going to heaven. Some of you, he wishes you'd hurry up. Right? Because when you get there, you're not a danger to him. What he doesn't want is you on this planet free. Because when you're free, you heard me say it to you last week, the most dangerous, the greatest threat to any tyrant is a free man. If you're free, you're dangerous to someone who wants to be a tyrant. So the first thing they've got to do is enslave you. And this is why Paul said in the, in the first chapter of Galatians, let's go ahead and turn there, because I've only got a few minutes. Hallelujah, Father. Galatians chapter 2, verse 4 says, but it was because of the false brethren, listen to this, secretly brought in. In other words, they, they snuck in because they wanted to spy out the liberty in the church of Galatia that Paul had preached to them. What had Paul preached? Remember I told you last week, every message paints a portrait. Every time you hear a message, it paints a portrait. Some people have the image that God is angry, that he's vengeful. That he's about that that it, it, it's taking everything to restrain God from sending you all to hell. <laughs> Y'all ever heard that kind of message? Oh man, I've heard him before, and I, I did the sign of the cross and genuflected, and I ain't even Catholic no more. <laughs> because the image that the image of God by some is that God is angry. The image of God, the image that some messages preach is that God is vengeful, he's judgmental, he's out to get you. And that, you know, it's only your tithe that's going to keep his hand away. It's only, it's only this great sacrifice that's going to keep him sending you to hell. And you better never do this. You ought not to dress like that because, you know, if you put on makeup, you're going to hell. If you wear a red tie, you know that tie is a tool of the devil. It's red. That's the color of the devil and it points to hell. That means you ought not to wear a red tie. They always do that, too. And, and, and it keeps the people of God in bondage because I told you rule keeping always generates more rule keeping and, and rule keeping generates fear because you never know if you're keeping all the rules. And, and in some churches, the churches have more rules than the IRS has codes. And, and so you're bound to break one of them and not know. Well, trust me, an elder or a deacon will let you know. And so the people of God live in fear of trying to appease God. And the message of grace sets us free from all that fear because we have come to know the love of God. 
this perfect love that casts out all fear so we're not afraid of anything anymore because it's not about what I did, it's what he's done. It's not about how I, it's, it's, it's all about him. I'm not trusting in my own works anymore. I'm not even trying to give enough to be blessed. Right? I shared this with you last week. When, when you have this, when you've been imprisoned by the rule keepers, you do in order to cause. Right? I'm praying so he doesn't get angry with me. I give to cause him to bless me because we all know he really don't want to do it. But if I give enough, he'll do it. So we're constantly trying to do to cause. That's a works mentality. That means we've been victimized. Paul would call you cray-cray. Because you're trying to earn what God has already given by His grace. But when we understand grace, it doesn't mean we stop doing. We're no longer doing to cause. We're doing because. Not, get that? Not to cause, but because. Why do you give? Because He's blessed me. Why do you love the unlovable? Because He loved me when I was unlovable. Isn't that what the Bible says? We love Him because He first loved us. And the more of His love that I experience, the more I have to give away. Amen? So it's the message of grace that sets us free. And, and people that understand grace are no longer dangerous. This is the reason why we have from day one called RLC a safe place. Because we allow everyone in here except wolves. You understand what I mean by that? If you're immature, we love you. If you're mature, we love you. If you're somewhere in between, we love you. But if you come in here to hurt people, I will chase you out with a stick. Because we, we don't allow wolves that chew on the sheep. But it does, if you're a sheep, it doesn't matter what shape you're in. If you're healthy, we'll use you. And if you're wounded, we will heal you. And then we'll use you to benefit other people. Amen? Amen? I need to hurry up. So Paul said this, these false brethren, they came in secretly, and this is why they came in. They, they had sneaked in to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ. Why? And listen to this, in the, right here in the Bible, in order to bring us into bondage. Why? Because to the rule keeper, if you don't keep the rules, you're a threat. Because their whole faith system is built on the rules, the, the moral codes, the, 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 the hairstyle, the dress style, walking this way, talking this way, everything is built on your behavior. Hmm. But I like what Paul said in verse 5. He said, we did not yield in subjection to them for even an hour. One translation said, we didn't give them the time of day. Why? Because Paul said he understood something. He understood it only takes one rule to ruin out all. A little leaven, Paul would say, would ruin the whole thing. Right? So Paul, he, he, he said, we got to stand fast against these jokers. Because they're coming in to put us back in bondage to something that never could have delivered us back when we tried it. Remember, and I shared with you last week, he, he went nose to nose with Peter. Why? Because Peter had believed in grace. Peter had a revelation, a vision from Jesus about not calling anything or anyone unclean. But when the pressure came from people, and they said, Peter, you can't eat with these people because they're unclean, they're Gentiles. Peter got scared and he went back to the old way. And Paul came and got in his face. And he said, listen, you're a leader, and if you do this, they're going to do that. And I shared with you last week, this is, Paul said, look, it, you might be bigger than me. You might be badder than me. But you mess with my message, I'm going to mess with you. 
because it's worth fighting for. And I want to, I want to uh, impart to you a fighting spirit yes, so that when people, no matter who they are, no matter how many letters they have behind their name, if they come to you and say, these are the rules that you must keep in order to be a super Christian, you're going to look at them and say, that's cray-cray talk, and we don't do cray-cray here. Amen. Right? Because it's His grace. Yes. Is this helping you? Yes. Just the other day, I was in a bookstore, and I was shocked. Maybe it's because I've been meditating on it, but I looked up and down the bookshelf, and it seemed like every book was the 33 rules of relationship, the seven rules of freedom, the eight rules of... Just all these... And I'm thinking, dude, we have, we have rendered everything to a formula. And here's the, here's, here's, here's the, here's the we, could, we could say amen right after this and be done. When rules replace the Spirit of God, the rules, even if they're good, are no good. You see, because he doesn't want you to be ruled by rules. He wants you to be led by his spirit. And when we have rules, we ain't listening to the Holy Ghost because we wake up in the morning and say, here's the 33 rules of prosperity. So we go through a checklist. I'm going to do this. 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 Because after all, these are the rules. What if the Lord tells you to do something else? What if the Lord said, for you, I don't want you doing rule 31. You understand? Those who are the sons of God are led by the rules. Oh, yeah, that's in the wrong translation, ain't it? Those who are the sons of God are led by the... Oh, but pastor, the rules are good. They were before the Spirit came. But now you have the Holy Ghost on the inside. You don't need the rules because if you'll listen, he will speak to you and say, this is the way I want you to walk. Walk in it. And when you walk in the way he directs, that always guides you to a wealthy place. See, one of the most frustrating things on the planet is do the right things and get no results. I mean, we do whatever, you know, the preacher says, if you give a $1,000 seed, you'll break the back of poverty. I've done it. It didn't. Tick me off. That's $1,000, bro. I gave it and I was waiting for the windows of heaven to open up and all the blessings. I mean, I pulled out my shirt like this. Nothing. Why? The Spirit of God didn't tell me to do it. I did it because they did it. The best thing, we had, back when, ooh, i got to hurry up, I've got five more minutes. Y'all could give me more time? Yes, sir. All right. When we were in Bible school, there was a student who gave away their car. The Lord told them to. And they gave away their car, and God gifted them a brand new one. So you know what every other student did? Gave away their cars. It got so bad because students weren't showing up at school because they had no transportation. The school had to make an announcement, quit giving away your cars. Because half the student body had no transportation. Just because it works for me don't mean it'll work for you. And just because it works for you don't mean it'll work for me. I got to do what he tells me to do. This is the reason why he gave me a relationship with him so I could hear his voice. You need to do what he tells you to do. And rules will short-circuit that because we're, we're trusting in all the rules. 
Well, if I wear this type of clothing, God will be impressed with me. Not if your heart ain't right. I remember one time, and I think this is, this is before my wife and I got married, that I was in a church, and I was going to be preaching in the church, and I was familiar with this church, and they wanted to do a foot washing. You all ever been part of a church that... And uh, they wanted to wash my feet, and the pastor told me, now you gotta, I've gotten much more diplomatic at age. But uh, they said they wanted to wash my feet, and I told them no. And they said, but this is what we do. We want to wash your feet as a sign of honor. I said, how about qu stop talking behind my back as a sign of honor? I don't want you touching my feet while you're stabbing me in the back. See, I told you I knew the church. And I, and I just told them, no, y'all ain't touching my feet because that's hypocrisy. Nothing's more dangerous than somebody who pretends but ain't. This is the reason why we got to rely on the grace, because if we rely on the rules, we become self-righteous hypocrites. We judge everyone who don't keep the rules as good as we do, right? But when we rely on grace, we understand I ain't got nothing to boast about. Because you see that thing I have, God gave me that. I can't boast about it. God gave it to me. And when he tells me to give it away, I'll give it away because he's the one that gave it to me. When God promotes me, I can't brag about it because he did it. You see, grace makes me brag less. I can't brag on anyone but him. And this is what he said in the book of Jeremiah. He said, if you're going to brag, don't brag in your wisdom. Don't brag in your strength. Don't brag in what you've done. But let the one who brags brag in this. They know me. Yes, sir. Amen. Grace makes us reliant upon him. Grace is the most amazing message. Hallelujah, Father. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2, verse 21. Paul said this, he said, I do not nullify the grace of God. The grace of God can be made null and void in our lives. And that's exactly what the enemy wants. But Paul said, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, rule keeping, then Christ died needlessly. Paul knew that grace was the only message, the only message the Christian could hear that would accomplish God's ultimate objective, and that's Christ's likeness. God's ultimate objective for you, if you want to know what God's plan is for you, it's to make you just like Jesus Christ. If you ever again, I, Lord, what is your plan for my life? His plan is to make you like Jesus. Go to the book of uh, 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 4. 2 Peter, chapter 1, verse 4 says this, For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. Every promise so that by them, the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. The purpose of the promises, now listen, God wants to bless you with stuff. He really does. But the purpose of the blessing is to make you like Jesus. So when he makes you prosperous, you know what the prosperity is for, to establish his covenant. When he gives you a long life, you know what your life is for, to serve others. Right? And so you become free. You're wealthy. You're healthy. You're going to live long. You're the devil's greatest nightmare. Yes, sir. It's as if you're never going to leave this planet. It's like, when are they going to die? Their youth keeps getting renewed. I wish they would hurry up and die because when they're on this planet, they keep stealing souls from my kingdom. They give, they give, they give, they serve, they serve, they serve. Would you just die? Yes, and you can look at them and say, devil, that's cray-cray. Because with a long life, he'll satisfy me and show me his salvation. I'm going to live so long, you just, you just give up on waiting for me to die. Y'all listening? All right, let's go ahead and get into the message. 
<laughs> when you hear the message of grace, I shared this with you last week again. That it, 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 Remember I told you, you, you really need to approach the whole word of God with a spiritual mindset. Because if you hear the word of God, but you're thinking like a natural man, you're going to misinterpret it. This is why you, listen. you hear the message of faith and prosperity, and if you're interpreting it with a natural mindset, you say, well, that's just greed. If someone says that about the message, they, you know how they're thinking. They're thinking like natural men. Because if you would think about it spiritually, then you understand it takes wealth to change the world. It really does. My, there was a year when my wife and I were missionaries, and I need you to understand we've never been you know, a huge ministry. We will one day, but we're not there yet. But I remember one, when we turned in all of our paperwork to the CPA, they let us know that that year we had spent over $50,000 on air travel. That was huge. I mean, I, man, I had never seen 50 grand. I didn't even know I'd spent it. And, and, and I thought, this is amazing. We spent this much money, and we still got more money at the end of the year than we had at the beginning of the year last year. The end, you know? And, and, and this, this, is, this is what I, the reason I'm saying that is this. We spent 50 grand. That means we were at a lot of ticket counters. And the ticket agents never let me on an airplane because of my cuteness. I mean, I smiled. I even swayed. I, you, know, you know what they always wanted? M-O-N-E-Y. Money. Boom, boom, boom. They always wanted money. I would even tell them, listen, I'll pray for you. And they'd say, that's fine. As soon as you're done, that'll be $1,200, please. Thank you very much. <laughs> if you're going to change the world, it takes money. Right? And, and, and so we, we need, when we understand that spiritually, we, we appreciate the message and we understand there may be some people who abuse it, but that don't mean nothing. That's between them and God. I'm not going to throw out the message of the word just because some joker abuses it. Right? There are people that drive stupidly every day. I still drive. And so if you hear the message of faith with a natural mindset, you're going to misinterpret it. And if you hear the message of grace with a natural mindset, you're going to think that means I have a license to live however I want to live. And Paul dealt with that in the book of Romans because they, 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 they did that back then. They said, well, if grace is so great and wherever sin abounds, grace does much more abound, then maybe I should sin so I can experience some grace. And, and, and Paul said, come on, dude, that's cray cray. He said, God forbid, that's not, grace is not an excuse. It's an empowerment, right? So I'm not excused from living holy. Now I'm finally empowered to be holy. I can live the way I've always wanted to live, but something called sin stopped me from living that way. But now that I've experienced the grace of God, I can love everybody. I can give like a crazy man. I can pray, and for the first time, prayer not be boring. Y'all here? I'm trying to hurry up. Go to the book of Matthew. Because this is what Jesus, you know, we are not lawless but we're free to live according to a higher law. And this is what grace does. Grace frees you from all the man-made laws, the way man has interpreted them, and it lets you live according to God's greatest law, the law of love. Yeah. You remember, I think it's in John 13, Jesus said, he said, I'm going to give you a new commandment, right? What was the commandment? Love. Love. Yes. love. Je the scripture says if you love, that's the fulfillment of the whole law. And this is in the book of Matthew. It's very similar, but listen to this. One came to him and said, Teacher, this is Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment, the greatest commandment is the way it should say, in the law? 
Jesus responded and said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Now, stop right there, and I want to ask you a question. And I am bringing this to a close, eventually. If I love the Lord... Now, notice Jesus didn't say, love your God. He said, love the Lord. Because if he had just said, love your God, anything can be your God. Right? You can love money. You can love a statue. You can love an icon. You can love all kinds of things. He said, love the Lord, Adonai, love the God. The one who is above all and besides whom there is no other. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. Everyone say all. If you love God with all your heart, that means there's no compartment of your heart that's left reserved to something else. It's all His. With all your soul and with all your mind. If you love the Lord this way, hear me. You love God just as much on Friday night when your pals come calling as you do on Sunday morning when it's time to go to church. If you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, you love Him just as much on Saturday night as you do Sunday night. Right? This, there ain't no, this is the Lord's day, because every day is the Lord's day, when you love Him with all your heart. So if I love the Lord, as Jesus said, with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, I'm still talking about grace. Do I need a commandment to tell me to have no other gods beside him? I'm going to mess with something. Do I need a commandment to tell me? there? No, because if he has my whole heart, that means he's got no competition for my affections. That means you could set a thousand statues in front of me. They could move. They could cry. Going back to my Catholic days. They could do all kinds of things. But if I love him with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, I'm going to say there ain't no God but my God. Right? So I don't need a commandment because his commandments now are suddenly in my heart. Do I need a commandment telling me honor the Lord on this day and keep it holy? No. Because now every day is the Sabbath day. Every day is a day of praise. Every day is a day of prayer. Everything I do is worship unto Him. When I go to work, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to work in His name because I'm grateful. I love the Lord. He gave me a job. I'm going to the job with praises on my lips. Everything I do is based on Him because I love Him. With, I'm one of those weirdos that love Him with my whole heart, my whole soul, my whole mind. This makes me... I don't need any rules. You understand what I'm trying to say? I don't need rules to tell me to worship Him because I have no choice. Love compels me. Then the scripture goes on and says this. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. If I love, I'm looking with Jorge. Come up here, sir. You know who I'm talking to. Come on, man, my time is short. Y'all, this is Jorge. Good-looking young man, isn't he? Not quite as good-looking as me, but he's trying. I try. I know. <laughs> if he's my neighbor, 
and I love him as if I love myself? Do I need a commandment telling me not to steal what he has? No. Do I need a commandment telling me not to hurt him in any way? No. Why? Because if I love him as I love myself, if he left his house wide open, when he comes home, everything he had in it's going to still be in it. Why? Because I'm going to treat it as if it were mine. It might even be clean, and he left it all nasty. Because <laughs> he was in a hurry to get out. Right? But the point is, I don't need any laws. I don't need 33 laws of relationship to tell me how to treat this man with respect, to tell me how to believe in this man to the fullest of his potential and be as much aid to him. Isn't Do unto others as you would have them do unto That requires love, bro. You can't do that by the law. But if I love him, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure his life's as good as it can be. I'm going to be a blessing to him because I want someone to be a blessing to me. And love dictates our, how I interact with him. So I don't need any more rules telling me don't do this and do do that because love is the guiding principle. Is this making sense? And that's freedom from all the rules that tell me how to live and how to love and how to behave. I need one rule. Love. Love is the fulfillment of the entirety of the law. And if we love one another, not only are we telling the whole world we're truly his disciples, but all the backbiting and the hypocrisy that has driven so many people out of the church will stop. Rules could never make it stop. Love will make it stop. Because now we love our... Listen, it doesn't matter if our skin color don't match. We love each other. It doesn't matter if we come from different economic backgrounds. We love each other. It doesn't matter if we're northerners or we're southerners. We love each other. It doesn't matter how many differences there are between us. We love one another because we see each other through the prism of love. So I can love people that ain't like me. I don't ha you don't have to believe what I believe. You don't have to act the way I act. In fact, the world probably can't handle two of us. Right? Thank you, bro. I love this young man right here. Thank you, Father. All right, let's, let's keep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring this. Grace is what empowers all of this, right? Because here's what I want you to see as I bring this to a close. Grace is nothing more than God's love expressed. That's what grace is. It's, it's his love coming to you when you don't deserve it. Doesn't the Bible say that he loved you even when you were his enemy? That's grace. Grace is unmerited favor. His love expressed is grace. So when you express love to someone around you, you know what that is? That's grace. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. I'm going to read a few verses, and then we'll bring the service to a close so we can head outside and celebrate baptism. And listen, for those of you, if you came and you didn't sign up, don't let that stop you. If you want to be baptized today... you. The only requirement is you believe in Jesus. That's all it is. And you say, well, pastor, I'm in the wrong clothes. That's not a problem. We got robes back there. We'll put you in a robe and put you under. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. Listen to this. It is absolutely clear that God has called you to a free life. Just make sure you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence. Love others as you love yourself. That's an act of true freedom. I suspect you would never intend this. I'm jumping down to verse 4. 
He said, you know, they, they got imprisoned and Paul's saying, I know you didn't mean to get imprisoned. You just listened to the wrong voices. Can I tell you, please be careful who you listen to. Please be careful. If somebody gives you rules on how you can please God, know God's already pleased. You don't have to do anything to appease an angry God. He ain't angry. So he said, I suspect you would never intend this, but this is what happens. When you attempt to live by your own religious plans and projects, you are cut off from Christ. You fall out of grace. Meanwhile, we expectantly wait for a satisfying relationship with the Spirit. For in Christ, neither our most conscientious religion nor disregard of religion amounts to anything. What matters is something far more interior, faith expressed in love. Amen? The, um, I'm going to bring it to a close with that. There's, there's some things I want to cover next week, but I've already gone too long. So many of us have been our zeal to please God outran our wisdom. And so we tempted to do things to appease God. Can I go there? Can I go one more place, please? I know I need to hurry, but I need to read this to you because this is too important to be disregarded. I don't know if I have it in here. Sister Fowler, do you have... Yeah, Galatians chapter 3. I'll read this and then we'll close. Galatians chapter 3. Doing things for God in an attempt to appease God. And that's important to hear. We are called unto good works. But if we do what we do in order to appease God, we're doing it from the wrong place. Doing things for God in an attempt to appease God is the opposite of entering into what God does for you. Habakkuk had it right. The person who believes God is set right by God, and that's the real life. Rule-keeping does not naturally evolve into living by faith, but only perpetuates itself in more and more rule-keeping, a fact observed in Scripture. The one who does things, rule-keeping, continues to live by them. Christ redeemed us from that self-defeating, cursed life by absorbing it completely into himself. And then he jumps down to chapter 5, verse 1. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. He goes on to say, I'm emphatic about this. The moment any one of you submits to circumcision or any other rule-keeping system, at that same moment, Christ's hard-won gift of freedom is squandered. I repeat my warning. The person who accepts the ways of rule-keeping trades all the advantages of the free life for the obligations of the slave life. I don't know about you. I don't ever want to be bound again. This freedom was hard fought. I didn't fight it. He did. But in him I am free. Amen. And here's the cool thing. Can I, I'm free to finally be me. I never knew that I liked fun. Because when I got saved, I thought it was a sin to smile. Seriously. The, 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 my first pastor said, you want to know why all Pentecostal preachers are fat? Because everything is a sin. The only thing that ain't a sin is fried chicken. And that's pretty much the truth. Everything's a sin. If you're too happy, you must be sinning. Ain't that cray-cray? 
Because it's the joy of the Lord that is our strength. We ought to be the happiest people on the planet. We ought to come into his house crazy praising. Why? Because he set me free from all those things. Amen? All right. Cleve, if you would, come. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to just close in prayer. And then I'm going to ask.